Father, we humble ourselves before you. God, we don't, we don't, we're not bringing this down. We're amping this up. Because God, we humble ourselves before you. We humble ourselves before you. Father, you have given us a moment that we can thrive in. A moment we can thrive in this place. Not this building, but in this place of this, this earth that we carry the kingdom of God with us, in us, and through us. God, I understand it is not about a political statement. It is not about a government except the government of the kingdom. That's the government we're under. Father, I love this flag that's behind me. But I adore the banner of heaven. That very picture of Jesus Christ raised from the dead. Father, your glory is our banner of victory. And I thank you. I thank you. Father, oh, in a world where people are trying to control governments, rebel and create a revolution that's not of God, Father, we ask that you would rip the rope out of the hands of the violent people. Father, there's still people and they, they have a place on the inside of them that's to house the kingdom of God. But the rope of violence that's in their hands keeps them from stepping into that place. And I ask you by the Spirit of God to rip the rope from their hands. Give them no leverage over the governmental kingdoms of this earth. God, you told, you told Daniel that you are the sovereign God over all the kingdoms of the earth and you give them to whomever you wish. So, Father, your people of God is standing here today saying, send me, Lord. 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 Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Father, we repent. Even though we personally may not have done these things, but God, we repent before you today for allowing racism, coming against cultures, coming against religions, coming against and, and being contrary to anything outside of your love toward other people. Father, we repent for those things. And God, we ask that you would burn those things from us. Even when we see the violent doing the things that they're doing, to not be critical of them, but to love them, pray for them, and pray that they would run into the person who is going to distribute the kingdom of God on the inside of them. Father, you said, ask for the nations and I'll give it to you. So we ask for that nation. We ask for that nation. That's all people people of various nations. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Here's, here's what I want to say. A couple of weeks ago, this is, this is what uh, quarantine does to a person. 
couple of weeks ago, we were sitting around the house doing nothing. So I decided I want to do the ancestry DNA thing. So we all got our kits and we spit in them, sent them off to Utah. Yesterday, we, got, we all got our stuff back. You know what? Ain't nobody in our family that's pure race. <laughs> and I can say that you look out across our country, across the world, there's very few people of pure blood. All got a little mixture of something. Something. Proud of my Indian heritage, but I am leaning to the other uh, very uh, European side. But the the fact of the matter is, is God said, "Ask for the nations, and I'll give them to you." That is a person standing in front of you that's got nations on the inside of them. Ask for them. You know people right now that you want to ask for. Ask for them. Pray for them. Speak them by name. He says, ask for the nations and I'll give them to you. He's not withholding anything from us. Amen. He is good. He is so good. Amen. Are you happy to be here today? I'm happy that our live platform is joining us this morning. Just so our live platform knows, we are all distancing in here. We're all abiding to the guidelines that we've been given. And um, it, it's, it's all good. So don't think that uh, we're breaking the law. There is no law. We're just, getting, we're just following guidelines. Amen. We may be fudging some things, but um, anyways, I love you guys on, on live. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. I love you all that's in the house. Thank you for joining us. It's so, so good to see your faces. Amen. Amen. So turn around and wave at somebody and tell them you love them. And we're going to get into this thing today. Oh. Thank you, Lord. Did I bring everybody down? All right. You're still happy. All right, man. So good to see y'all. You know what? I don't know how long church is going to go today. You know, I've been to been to some churches of the cultures that um, are not white, and they they go all day. I mean, all of a sudden, you just look at your watch. You know, you go into ten ten o'clock service. You look down at your watch, and it's two o'clock in the afternoon. You're like, no wonder. I need some gravy, <laughs> you know? And so um, I, I, I don't know how long church is going to go today. If, you, if, you're on a time, if you're on a time crunch, um, feel free to log out and do what you want to do. But I'm going to tell you, we're going to have church today. Yeah. We're going to have church today. Amen? Amen. I want to do something right off the bat. And... Um, Something that probably we should be doing um, seasonally as, as we go through each season of our lives. And um, today I'm, I'm, I'm not going to ask you to line up and receive this. I'm just going to ask you to stand up and receive this here in a minute. You don't have to stand up yet. 
But today, we're going we're gonna to take a vaccination. I've got the syringes up here. I am kidding. I'm not going to chip you. Because, because here's what I think. You've already been chipped by the Holy One. Amen. And, um, but we're, we're going to take a vaccination today. A vaccination of the Word of God. When it comes to sickness and disease and virus, I believe with all my heart that God is, is, um, is giving us the power against those things. And I know that we say it all the time, but we're going to activate it. We're going to activate it. So if you, would, if, if you want to receive that, if you want to declare that, would you stand up on your feet? And I want you, you can shut your eyes. You don't have to shut your eyes. You can, you can do whatever you want. You can hold out your hands, lift up your hands. You can um, put your hands on your heart, on your belly, whatever you want to do, on your head, whatever you want to do. But keep your hands to yourself. That's what we've been told to do at this point. It ain't going to last long. Um, put your hands on your spouse, whatever. Receive this. You dads, you fathers, and you men of, the, uh, of your house, you receive this most of all. Most of all. So I want, I want to declare this, and, and I want you to repeat after me. I'll go slow. And it, it won't take but a minute, but I'll go slow. So I want you to declare this. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, I make this declaration today in response to the conditions of the world around me. I declare that I'm in this world, but I'm not of this world. I believe that Jesus came to earth, died on a cross, was resurrected from the grave, to provide, to provide heavenly health for me. Health for me. Psalm, 103 Psalm 103 and Psalm 107, and Psalm 107 says, that says that you sent your word, you sent your word to, heal to heal all my diseases and deliver me from destruction. From destruction. Isaiah, 53 Isaiah 53 and 1 Peter 2, 24 says, says that Jesus would come and suffer violent beating, and that by the stripes put upon him, I am healed. Matthew 8, 17 says that Jesus carried my sickness and my disease away from me by his death, burial, and resurrection. Isaiah 54, 17 says that there is no weapon formed against me that will overcome my life. All of this I declare because you, Father, have given me through the covenant promised by the life and the death of your son, Jesus. And I, re- and I, re- I have received him as my Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Sit down. I hope that you at home declared that. And we need to, you know, I heard Kenneth Copeland years and years ago say, I set my family down every year and we take a flu shot of the word of God. Amen. And that's what we need to be doing. 
We need to declare that. Three of you agree. Amen. Amen. I'm so, I'm so glad. So with that, we're going to get into the word today. You ready? I have missed y'all. I have missed y'all. It is, it is amazing to me that as, a, as, as our culture evolves, that um, how much our language changes. As culture evolves, language changes. And, and then that language, that, that language that changes begins to drive said culture. Are you with me? Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, all of a sudden, you know, as culture changes, we start creating words or, or taking words that have been created and we start speaking them into the culture and then that cult, that, those words begin to drive the culture. Words that are not everyday words are thrown into everyday language. Words like quarantine and stay-at-home order. Those two words together used to mean, used to be directed toward one person, but now it's been directed towards a whole society. Words like social distancing wasn't even together until this all happened. Now it's an everyday word. Essential was a word that means that you've got to keep your W-2 for your tax person because it's essential to have it, right? Non-essential was something that, that, you know, it was a receipt from Burger King. Whatever. You know, essential is changing the oil in your car. Non-essential is something have nothing to go with that. But the one word that has stood out to me during this time, there's one word that has just slapped me in the face every time I hear it, and I hear it daily, is the word unprecedented. Every day, every day on the news, we are living in unprecedented times. Unprecedented times. Are you all here? Now listen, I've had to preach when nobody's in here and it's been quiet. All I've had was Pastor Greg, Pastor Mark, and Lynette, Miss Tracy and Miss Amy every now and then, C-Dub and Kirsty, And they're, they're all inherently quiet. <clears throat> but I've got more in here today. And I do believe that we paid the price. Amen. Everybody knows you're here. Amen. So you're caught. Anyways. <laughs> unprecedented times. Unprecedented times. What does that even mean? What does unprecedented even mean? Well, I, I looked it up. I think I know what it means, but I looked it up just to be smart. <laughs> and the definition for unprecedented is never before known or experienced unparalleled. In other words, we've never seen anything like this before. There's nothing to compare this to. And when they say we live in unprecedented times, they're saying that there is nothing to compare 
to what we're doing and where we're living in this time. There is nothing that we have that can compare. And for us, there's some truth to that. For most of us in this room and watching online, for most of us, there is no one that we can call on the phone and say, hey, what, what did you do when you went through this? You know, uh, what, what, did you, what did you do when they closed your business? What did you do when they shut down your job? What did you do when they closed your school? What did you do when they closed your church? Now, you, you may be sitting there saying, well, I, there's people I can call and ask about that. But here's what you can't call and ask is for somebody that that's happened, all of those things have happened to in one day and have lived through months of that. There's no one that you can call to say what happened to you when you were ordered to stay home as a society because everyone is a risk or at risk. There have been other pandemics in our time. I mean, just over the just over the last 10 years, there's been pandemics. We haven't made a big deal of it, but there's been, you know, uh, different flu things, H1N1, H2N2, uh, Ebola, um, all that kind of stuff. You know, you all could go through the list yourself. But this one, this one, whether you're a conspiracy theorist or, or whatever the case may be, it, it doesn't matter. This one being worse or not, has, we have made it unprecedented. And, and I'm not saying that we as us, I'm saying we as a society and a culture have made it unprecedented. So when I think about that, I think that the things that I feel, the things that you feel in the midst of all of this, um, are, are similar to what Jesus' disciples felt when Jesus went to the cross. Those were unprecedented times. To see your Savior, to see the man, see the friend that you walked with for three and a half years die on a cross in a thing that we knew as finality, or they knew as finality, and being put in a tomb, and that tomb sealed. I mean, I can't imagine what they felt like. So with that in mind, if you would, go over to Luke chapter 24. I know you was wondering when I was going to get into the Bible. But Luke chapter 24, and, and, I, and I say all that trying to, to lead us into a place of feeling what the disciples felt, because we are his disciples, Amen. We are his disciples. And just give you a little leeway into <clears throat> what Luke ch- chapter 24 is talking about here. Or, you know, it's, it's uh, the, the, the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. But on that same Sunday that he was resurrected, there's a story here that Luke um, tells about two of Jesus' disciples. Those two of, two of Jesus' disciples were not of the 12 disciples. They were of the bigger faction of, of disciples. 
And, and one, one of them is, there's only one of them that is named in this story. His name was Cleopas. And the other one wasn't, but he was still a, a disciple of Jesus. And the story goes like this. On the same Sunday that Jesus was resurrected from the dead, this man and Cleopas had a mission that they were going on, had plans to do something that day, and that was to take a trip to a place, a little village called Emmaus. And Emmaus was, some scholars say, was seven miles from Jerusalem. Some other scholars say it was 17 miles from Jerusalem. Anyways, they were on a, they were on a pretty good hike. And they were going down the road and they, they were talking among each other and they had already got news of the empty tomb, but they still were walking down the road and they, they were not very hopeful of what that news meant. And they were reflecting on their time spent with Jesus and reflecting upon the events of the weekend that they had just gone through and those events in their life was unprecedented. As they're walking down this road, I don't know how far into their journey that he was or that they were, but the story said, or the, 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 the depiction says that Jesus walked up to them. In his resurrected body, he walks up to them. He says, hey, boys, what's happening? Uh, y'all look pretty gloomy today. Y'all look pretty sad. What's, what's going on? And so this is where I want to pick up the story um, here in Luke chapter 24, in verse 17. I'm reading from the Passion Translation, my wife's translation. It says in verse 17, it says, Jesus said to them, you seem to be in deep discussion about something. What are you talking about so sad and gloomy? And they stopped, and the one named Cleopas answered, and he says, haven't you heard? Are you the only one in Jerusalem unaware of the things that have happened over the last few days? And Jesus asked, what things? <laughs> Duh. See the faith of Jesus? What things? The things about Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they replied. He was a mighty prophet of God who performed miracles and wonders. His words were powerful and he had great favor with God and the people. But three days ago, the high priests and the rulers of the people sentenced him to death and had him crucified. We all hoped that he was the one who would redeem and rescue Israel. Wow, what a response. In an unprecedented time, what a response from them to Jesus. Now, they, they were not aware that this was Jesus. They were, they were looking at him, but they couldn't see him for who he was. This is what the glory does. But these were unprecedented times for them. What you got to understand is that for three and a half years, their normal, hello, their normal was Jesus, the Messiah. That was their normal. All these cool things happening around them, that was their normal. And see, their plan 
as Jewish men, their plan was what they had been told all their lives is that when the Messiah shows up, the Messiah is going to come and he is going to conquer Rome. He is going to conquer the current government and he's going to set up his throne in Israel and Israel is going to become the world power over all the earth and the Messiah is going to save us and rescue us from the hand of Rome. That was their plan. But that wasn't his plan. Because his plan was to change the course of humanity by dying on a cross. See, Jesus' plan was this. He was still going to rescue the world. His plan was not to rescue the world by setting up a throne in Israel, a physical throne in Israel, and reigning from there. His plan was to set up a throne inside the heart of every human being in order for them to change the course of the world around them. It was still the same, but it was different. But what the disciples are feeling because they had their plan and what they saw and what they had been taught, they were sad and gloomy. See, a thousand years earlier, there was a wise man called the wisest man in all of the world and his name was Solomon. And Solomon wrote most of the Proverbs. And when Solomon wrote the Proverbs, he wrote, one proverb that really stands out to me. It's really near and dear to my heart. But this is what Solomon wrote in the beginning of, of this verse. The first part of this verse goes like this, Proverbs thirteen twelve. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred, the word deferred means to be delayed or put off, makes the heart sick. The word sick means to grieve or be sad. Hope put off or delayed makes our heart grieve and sad. This is where these guys were. This is where his disciples were. This, there was nothing that they could do to compare the time that they were living in with any other time. It was unprecedented. And I can, I can just hear these guys. They begin to question themselves. How many, how many times have we questioned ourselves in the midst of this thing? You know, they begin to question themselves. Was Jesus really the Messiah? He, he died. He died. We watched him die. He died. We watched him put his body in a tomb and he died. And, and this morning when we went out there, he was not there, but he was not anywhere. And we don't know if somebody stole him. That was kind of okay for <laughs> stealing. Stole him. We don't know whether somebody stole him. <laughs> Done got my rims stoked. <laughs> but no matter what, he didn't conquer Rome before he died. He didn't conquer Rome. And this is not the way that it was supposed to be. How many times have we said that? This is not the way it was supposed to be. 
have, have, I given, have I given three and a half years of my life to a man that's just a man with great words and power every now and then that I, you know, I, I don't even know if that was real power. I mean, they're, they're questioning themselves in the midst of this. And it was an unprecedented time. Their hope, their hope, listen to me, their hope was put off and their hearts were sad. I mean, you can just look at their language here in verse 19. You can look at their language. They, they said, you know, these, these things about Jesus, the man. Hello. They didn't say the Messiah from Nazareth. They said the man from Nazareth. And then they said, he was a mighty prophet. His words were powerful. And he had great favor with God and people. And later on down in verse 21, it says, we all hoped, we all hoped that he would rescue us. Do you see where I'm going? You see, do you see this, what, he's, what they're saying? It's unprecedented times. And, and through this whole deal that we've been going through in this country, in, in this state, in this community, how many of our thoughts and our conversations have had tones of being disheartened, sad, deflated? What is the next normal going to be? What is the government going to look like from here? Are they going to be pushy and controlling or are they going to be for the people, by the people? Are we going to have rebellion or are we going to have revolution? I mean, these are, these are some thoughts and conversations I think that we had over this time. But what... The King Solomon went on to say in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 12, he said, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. In other words, what he's saying is that when, ho- when the hope that you've longed for is fulfilled, it heals your heart. Amen. There is a hope that's out there. And, l- and let me tell you, I promise you, I'll stand here and I'll guarantee there is a hope beyond this. It's not sad and gloomy. No matter what goes on around you, no matter what your eyes see, no matter what the media tells you, there's something bigger and better because we serve a bigger and better God than that. And when your hope is fulfilled, it heals your heart. So for those guys from that point, From that point, Jesus began to tell them all the scriptures in the Old Testament that pointed to him as the Messiah and what the Messiah was really there to do. Not the fables and the stories that they had been told, but what he said about himself in the Old Testament before. And he downloads this to them. Still, still, they don't get it. They they don't see him. I mean, I don't know if he was standing there and revealing the holes in his hands and feet or not, but they they don't see him. And they're amazed at this guy's knowledge. And then they get to Emmaus. They sit down to eat. Jesus prays over the food. 
and boom. Their eyes are open to who it is. And when their eyes are open, they said, oh, Jesus. <laughs> In the good way. And when they, when they realized it was him, all of the sudden, he goes, he gone. He vanished from before their eyes. And it says those boys got so amped, so excited that they jumped up from where they were and they ran miles back to Jerusalem to tell everybody what they'd seen. And for the next 40 days, Jesus would show up. The Bible says that he would walk through walls and walk through doors. He didn't need to open them. He just showed up. He didn't need anybody to open the door for him. He just right through. He would show up in their midst and he would teach them because everyone had the same thought and conversation. Why did this happen? Jesus showed up for the next 40 days and told them why, revealing himself from the Old Testament scriptures that they all knew, but they didn't see. Listen to what Luke 24, verse 45 says. Let's finish this out a little bit. Are you all still good? It says, says this in verse 45. He, Jesus, supernaturally unlocked their understanding to receive the revelation of the scriptures. And then he said to them, everything that has happened fulfills what was prophesied of me. Christ, the Messiah, was destined to suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And now you must go. Now you must go into all the nations and preach repentance and forgiveness of sins so that all will turn to me. Start right there or start right here in Jerusalem for you are my witnesses and have seen for yourselves all that has transpired. That is so good. So Jesus was saying to them, listen to me. Jesus was saying to them the same thing that he's saying to us. And this is what he's saying. He's saying, we cannot compare our past normal to the future normal. We cannot compare the past normal to our future normal. Because listen, Future normal is unprecedented. There is nothing to compare it to. There is nothing to compare it to. Because we got to understand that what we knew as normal before this whole thing is, what we knew as normal is the enemy of vision, future, and revival. Well, we knew two months ago. See, three weeks ago during our worship night, I was here at the church worshiping and right over there on that X. That's not why we marked the X because my tears are over there. That's not why we marked it. But I was on my face while they were up here worshiping. And I'm, I'm just worshiping God. I'm on my face. I'm crying. I'm snotting and all that kind of stuff. They've cleaned it up since then. 
<laughs> you won't slip over there or anything like that. But the, uh, the fact of the matter is, is that God spoke that very thing to me. He says, the normal, the normal that you knew is the enemy of vision, future, and revival. Now you put me on the spot. What we knew as normal is the enemy of vision, future, and revival. See, we must not seek or expect that normal again. Because if we do, it's going to put off hope. And it's going to make our hearts sad. Don't go backwards. Because unprecedented from this point, from this point, unprecedented does not mean we look back and see what we don't have anything to compare to. What we do is we look forward. Because see, the kingdom of heaven is unprecedented. There is nothing in this earth that we can compare to the kingdom of heaven. What happens in this earth is the only thing that can be compared what we bring into this and now we can compare it. But if we're not bringing it into this, we can't compare this to that. Because kingdom is only found right here. Kingdom, the, the nature of the kingdom and what kingdom is all about can only be found right here. Whatever translation you have, the kingdom of heaven has to be pulled from here. And that's what we bring into our lives. We have to make life about the word of God. Because Jesus was saying, if you want to live in unprecedented times, you got to review what I came for. And he took his disciples back into the word. He didn't take them to worship night. There ain't nothing wrong with that. That is a good start. It's a good prep for what's there. He didn't take them to the prayer meeting. That's a good prep for what is here. And that's good to bring out of what is here in the word of God. But he took them to the word of God, which brought the kingdom, which brought the worship, which brought the prayer, which brought the the domination, or not the domination, the authority to this earth. Amen? Amen. Amen. Are you all with me? Kingdom is only found in Scripture. See, the disciples, the disciples' normal, what what the normal they were used to was awesome. I mean, can you imagine being with Jesus, walking with him and seeing him go zip, 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 bow, boom, bam. Wow, boom, yeah. (laughs) Casting devils out, raising the dead, healing the sick, blind eyes opening, deaf ears opening, all of this stuff, lame getting up and walking and running around, people getting raised from the dead. It was awesome. It was amazing. It was remarkable. But something unprecedented had to happen 
to shift them into their purpose. That was Jesus' purpose. Now something has to shift them into their purpose. And he had to die on a cross, be buried, be resurrected, and show up on their doorstep going, hey, guys, get it. It's not what you thought. This is what God has planned. And it's unprecedented. Verse 49, he goes on. I think I'm done with my introduction now. (laughs) Told you. I hope this is not too much for the first day back, but we're going somewhere. Verse 49 says this. Jesus says, And I will send the fulfillment of the Father's promise to you, so stay here in the city until mighty power of heaven falls upon you and wraps around you. He says, boys. And he's saying to us, there's something else coming that you've never seen. There's something coming that you've never felt. There's something coming that is going to empower you like it empowered me. And I'm getting ready to give it to you. Sock, boom, bang. (laughs) See, the writer of Luke was a man named Luke. And he was a physician. And he also wrote the book of Acts. So where we leave off here picks up in the book of Acts. So if you would go over to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. Sounds very familiar. Same kind of writer is there. In verse 4, it says, Jesus instructed them, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait here until you receive the gift that I told you about. The The gift the Father has promised. For John baptized you in water. Now get this. For John baptized you in water, but in a few days from now, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Listen. Verse 6. Every time they gathered together, they asked Jesus, Lord, is it time now for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He says, will you guys shut up for a minute? (laughs) Get your mind out of that. Dudes. Wait, see, I can say dudes today because I got on my checkered vans. Dude. Dude. Hey, can we get a shot of these vans? Check check out my new shoes. Tighten that baby up. Look look at this. Look at that. See that? See that? These are the things that happen in quarantine. You put me in my house by myself with my iPad and my daughter and this kind of stuff. She's, she's got matching ones that these are, yeah. <clears throat> and I love them. See, the, the thing about it is when you're in quarantine, you kind of start looking at social media. I looked at it one night and I was really uh, got taken away because I'm a child of the 80s. And I, um, I used to race BMX when I was 14, 15, 16 years old. And these were the vans to have. And they don't make them like this anymore. So I had them built. I built my own. This is what happens in quarantine. You go back in time. Okay, back to the... I don't don't want to lose what we got going on. Jesus said, you know, how, how difficult is it to break 
normal mindsets. How difficult is it to break these normal mindsets? These guys are asking, now are you going to rescue us? Jesus said, tell you what, remember what I'm saying to you and wait here in Jerusalem. Wait here. Be patient and you'll see. He didn't tell, he told them they was going to be baptized and he didn't tell them how. He just said, wait here and see. And when he said, wait here and see, all of a sudden he goes, and when he said that, all of a sudden he just started lifting up and he raised into the clouds, raised into the heavens, looked like Elon Musk's rocket this week, (laughs) just goes right up, right up into the, right up into heaven and they don't see him anymore. And they're standing around looking at each other going, is he going to rescue us? Is this the moment? And they waited. They waited. You know how long they waited? A week. And then, look at Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 says, On the day Pentecost was being fulfilled. On the day Pentecost was being fulfilled, all the disciples were gathered in one place. Suddenly, they heard the sound of a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could bear. Then all at once, a pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. and It separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. And they were all filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they had never learned. That, y'all, was a moment unparalleled. It was a moment that there was nothing. They, they, I'm sure so many of them reached into their robe pocket and pulled out their cell phone and they flipped it open and they said, there is no one in my list that I can call that's ever seen this before. There is no one. This cannot be compared to. There has been no more... This moment, y'all, was an unprecedented shift that happened. Listen, 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 listen. Listen, listen, listen. Listen, 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 Linda. Listen, listen. What happened next was not based on what they had known as normal. Number one, an explosion of the Holy Spirit birthed explosive power in the common man. The explosion of the Holy Spirit. See, it says that power came. That word power means an explosion. And it, and it birthed, key word, birthed the explosive power of God on the inside of everyone who believed that. Everyone that Jesus told, this is an unprecedented time. 
Wait for the unprecedented. Number two, it birthed an outward expression of the kingdom to communicate around the world. What it birthed was the gospel, the good news. There had not been a gospel preached until now. It birthed power and it birthed the good news. Now, see, we can get caught up in the word gospel, but the word gospel means the good news. There was a power to preach the good news. How many of you know? How many of you know the good news is needed down in Denver and around the major cities of our world right now? The gospel is needed. And that don't mean you go out there and set up your sound system and go, the Lord Jesus Christ is coming soon, y'all. You better get saved. They don't know what the heck you're saying. They don't understand that. But when you preach the gospel in power, they cannot deny that. Knock some of them suckers on their butts. Not with your fist, but with the power of God. And watch them get healed and delivered from their violent devils that's coming out of them. I'll get back to my message. Number one, explosive power. Number two, good news. Good news. And number three, it birthed a gathering of people. Hear me. It birthed a gathering of people. Like-minded, yes, but not just like-minded. It birthed a gathering of people that had experienced the good news and experienced the power of God. And now they're in one unit. It's called the ecclesia. And the ecclesia is called the church. This moment of the baptism of the Holy Spirit didn't just come to give you tongues. It didn't just come to give you the gifts. It exploded power on the inside of you of the gifts of the Spirit. It gave you the good news of the power of the gospel. Good news. And it birthed the church. There was no church before this time. Now the church is born out of an unprecedented time. And you know what I think? I think out of this unprecedented time we're living in, the church needs to come back. The church needs to be rebirthed. Does that mean I have to go in and re... No, it means you need to get baptized in the Holy Spirit or rebaptized in the Holy Spirit. And you need to let the power of God and the gospel, the good news, begin to pour out of you. And we all, not just like-minded, but we all like-experienced. Like encounters. Amen. I'm almost done, so just held tight. And so here in Acts chapter 2, from this moment that the Holy Spirit was outpoured on them in Acts chapter 2, for the next 40 years, the book of Acts was written out of those, those three elements, the power, the gospel, and the church. The power, the gospel, and the church. See, the church then was not about gathering in a building. It was about gathering together of like spirit and distributing the gospel throughout the world. He didn't go set, he, Jesus didn't tell him to go set up camp 
and stay there and don't go anywhere else. He said it starts in Jerusalem, goes to Judea, then Samaria, and then the utter parts of the earth. I don't know about you, but I'm the utter parts, not of the cow, of the earth. See, when things come out of your mouth and you realize what you just said and where your minds are going, I know. But see, from there, church history has had many ups and downs. I'm reading a book right now. It's a history book. I don't know if y'all get into really reading history books. But I'm reading a book called Eusebius. And Eusebius is a church history of the first probably 500 to 1,000 years of the church from, from 1 AD, 0 AD, when the church was birthed into, <coughs> into 500,000 years. I'm, I'm still in it, so bear with me. But what, I, but what I'm reading in that book is the ups and downs that happened is that, you know, in the most unprecedented times of the world, through disasters, through persecution. Did you know that they, in Rome, in Rome during the time of Nero, this was during the book of Acts, that they would take Christians and, and not just put them in the arenas to be eaten by the wild animals and stuff in the, in the gladiators. Well, the gladiators didn't eat them, they just killed them. But they would take the Christians and they would put them on poles around town and light them on fire trying to get them to profess their denial of Jesus, they would light them on fire to light the cities. They would burn Christians to make lights in their city. And it's through the disasters of the world during that time, through persecutions, through pandemics, it's the church that thrived. Even trying to get rid of the church, they thrived. You kill one, you get five. You kill two, you get 14. It was during those times that the church stepped up in the midst of those things and would turn hearts to Jesus and die at the hands of their government. But they still thrived. And that's why you're sitting here today. That's why you're watching here today. It's because you are the church. You are the church. Unprecedented times calls for unprecedented shift, which brings the church unprecedented. Did you get what I just said? This is the name of my message today. Now I'll get into it. Church unprecedented. Church unprecedented. God is calling us to be a church that, you, that can't be compared to anything else. He's calling us to be a church that is unparalleled with anything else. And I think that the cowboy church is the perfect setting for that. Because we're different than everybody else. We take it on the nose before anybody else. We're willing to get out there and cut a trail before anybody else. And it, it, listen to me. 
This is like this service today is not a competition with anyone else. This is just a stepping out into the, to what God is calling us to do. Whatever, whatever the consequences are at this point, but the fact of the matter is, is that we are pioneers. And that's what unprecedented is about because before somebody set out from the East coast towards the West, towards the Mississippi or the, the first dude that stepped into the Mississippi River and said, I'm going over there. There always had to be one that was unprecedented, that couldn't compare it to anything. I don't know what's on the other side, but I'm going. I'm a lot more excited than you are. (laughs) How about fell on my face too? That's embarrassing. Gotta tighten that booger up. Church unprecedented. Stay with me. Don't get embarrassed with me. Love me. Church unprecedented is a power filled people of good news and love that doesn't allow, that doesn't allow normal to dictate vision future and revival but it rises up and responds to unprecedented times to bring unprecedented shifts yesterday I'm closing up yesterday kids are getting restless I want to go play yesterday from Friday night sundown to Saturday night sundown. 1990 years ago was Acts chapter 2. 1990 years ago, Acts chapter 2 happened. The Pentecost of Acts chapter 2 happened. And we just went through Pentecost yesterday. The fullness. It said, When the fullness of Pentecost had come, I believe that we're in the fullness. It was the first birth of power, good news, and church unprecedented. So today, we rise up and respond in unprecedented times with an unprecedented shift. Because we, we are church unprecedented. The, 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 the label of Cowboy Church, I, I love that, and I'm all about it, but the label of Cowboy Church is off the table. I'm not saying we're changing our name. I'm just saying let's don't let that hold us to normal. Amen. The label of Cowboy Church is off the table. We are church unprecedented. Amen. That's who Jesus wanted us to be, Amen. church unprecedented. So here's what I want to do. If today you're here in this building, and, and I, I hope that as you are here in this building, you in this building are people who serve here and you, you go here. And so I believe with all my heart that you've asked Jesus to come into your heart. <laughs> I hope so. If not, thank you for serving. And here's your chance. 
But if you're watching and you haven't ever stepped into that relationship with Jesus, let me tell you what it's about. Let me tell you what it's not about. It's not about walking an aisle. It's not about praying a prayer. It's not about raising a hand. It's not about these things. We have made it about these things, and those things aren't wrong. But here's the... the, the, the almost said a good cowboy term called we get down to the cutting. We, we, we get down to the brass tacks, so to speak. Narrowing it down. It's all about this. See, when Jesus called his disciples, he would just step up and say, Peter... Would you come and follow me? John, would you come and follow me? I want to say this to you. Jesus is looking you in the eye today. And he's saying, would you come and follow me? And, and let me just say this. He's, he's not looking at you in the eye and saying these things through his resurrected body. He's saying these things through a body that has been torn, beat, bruised, bloody, hair pulled out, swelling, Nails in his hands and his feet. The blood is there and he's saying, look, would you be willing to follow me through this? Would you be willing to come and follow me? And all you got to do is say yes. Uh, You don't even have to say yes. Just get up symbolically where you're at and say, this is where I'm going. And when you do that, he comes and sets up a throne on the inside of you. He gives you the ability to experience the power, the good news, and be the church. Say yes. That's all you got to do. But here's the big one. When you say yes to him, you need to be baptized in water. You need to be baptized in water, and we'll, we'll get to that later on down the line as we filter our way through these things. But here's the big one, is that when you say yes to him, now you have the, uh, the opportunity to be equipped and empowered with Holy Spirit. Amen. We're living in a time right now called Pentecost. This is what people are calling Pentecost Sunday because it's Pentecost weekend, first weekend after Pentecost. Heaven is still reaching into this moment. And if you've never received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, now is the time. If you need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, now is the time. If you've been in normal and you have lost your hope, you're in normal and you have lost this fire, this, you've, you've got this sadness on you, this depression anxiety type deal on you, wondering what the future is going to look like. Don't seek that normal. Let Holy Spirit come and give you an unprecedented normal, a new place, a new vision, a new future, a revival on the inside of you. So here's what I want to do. Right where you're at, if you need, if you need an infilling of the Holy Spirit, and if you need, or you need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit, If you're in this room, you stand up if you want that. I know many of us received that on worship night on Friday night, but here we are again. If you're at home watching this, if you're somewhere, if you're driving a car, don't stand up. (laughs) If you want to, pull over and stand up. But here's the deal. I want you to stand up if 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 that's what you want. 
a fresh infilling. And we're going to watch God move. We're going to watch. There it is. God responds to our needs. He said, go and wait and watch what I'll do. Well, guys, we've been waiting. We've been waiting. Put your hands out like you're going to receive a gift. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you. Receive it. Receive it. Holy Spirit, thank you. Just begin to thank him all over this room. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Jesus, thank you for giving us your spirit. Thank you for empowering us. Thank you for the power of God. Thank you for the power of heaven. Thank you for fresh vision, fresh future, fresh revival. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Empower us to have power. Birth that power on the inside of us. Birth that boldness on the inside of us. Birth that good news. God, give us the ability to speak good news into our culture. Give us the ability to, to, to see miracle signs and wonders. Anybody want miracle signs and wonders? Do you want miracles in your life? This is what you need. This is the plug-in. This is the place. This is the time. We are the people. We are church unprecedented. We are church unprecedented. We are church unprecedented. This is the time. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You say, well, well, what's going to happen on the inside of me? I don't know. There may be a heavenly language come up on the inside of you. But did you know that's a result, not the result? If you don't feel that right now, that's fine. We'll, we'll work on that. But I'm telling you, at this point, when you said yes to that, when you said yes to that, power is in you. Well, I don't feel power. It'll be there when you need it. It may just tilt you into the good news confidence right now to where you can just give, you can give good news to anyone. But what this has made you is church unprecedented. There is nothing to compare what is going to happen to you from here. From here. Are you ready to take that power on? Say yes. If you mean yes, say yes. If you're not ready, say no. (laughs) We will find ourselves in normal at times. Before we went through this fast and before all of this stuff, I found myself, over the last few years, I found myself into normal. Going to church, preparing for church. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I still love it. I still love y'all. Feeling kind of defeated, feeling kind of gloomy. No. Going through this fast, going through Pentecost, better watch out. If you don't like what God's saying to the church right now, this is not your church because I'm going to speak it. I'm going to do it because I'm church unprecedented. If you all want to go with me, you're church unprecedented. 
We'll find ourselves in normal at times, and when we do, we need to prepare for unprecedented times so that we can respond as church unprecedented that brings the shifts and reveals the kingdom of heaven. It's time for heaven to come. Not in little bits and pieces. It's time for heaven to come in waves and waves. Wave upon wave upon wave. As one wave goes out, another one comes in. Undercuts the big wave that goes out. Another one comes in and undercuts the big wave and goes out. It's time to rock in that motion and be church unprecedented. Maybe you'll get cool shoes. Maybe you'll get a beat on the inside of you. Maybe you'll get a worship in the midst of a crowd. Maybe you'll get a word saying, go pray with that person and pull them out of that wheelchair. Maybe you'll go to a funeral and just mess everything up. But they're embalmed. (laughs) Not now. It's time. It's time. See, people, church, are you okay? I'm, I'm, I just keep running. Um, people during this time are really concerned about the rapture and concerned about the end times and things like that. And I think that that's wonderful. I think, I think we need to start putting our finger on some things because uh, I don't believe this is the end times, but I believe this is the birthing of the end times. Because what you're seeing happen may be bad to you, but it ain't bad yet. It's going to get worse. It's going to get a lot worse. But that's what the unprecedented church does is it rises up in those times. It doesn't matter if they're lighting us on fire on on top of light poles. You You win one. You lose one. Say, well, that's just terrible, pastor. No, the, the, the blood of the persecuted, the martyrs cries out and says, don't stop unprecedented church. Don't stop unprecedented church. Don't let what's going on in this world stop you. You keep, you keep moving. There is an eternal life. You're not losing anything. You're gaining the purpose that Jesus came to this earth for. Amen. Thank you, Father. Father, I glorify you and praise you and magnify you, worship you, God. You are worthy. You are worthy. We are a church unprecedented, and we are a people that worship you in spirit and in truth. We are a people that allow you to rock our world. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Praise you. Praise you. Praise you. In Jesus' name.